people of Earth, attention! This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. At Scribble, we're proud to keep the free audiobook by podcast tradition going strong. But, of course, the free model only works as long as you sometimes swing by Scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L dot com. And support our authors by also purchasing their titles in ebook or higher quality ad-free audiobook form. Scribble pays authors at the same rate or better than other outlets, so there's no better place to show your support for your favorite author than by buying your next book from Scribble. That's S-C-R-I-B-L dot com. The Mask of Inanna I am Leonard Allen. And I am Dr. Damien Krask. I was born in Illinois, outside Chicago. I was born in a studio in New York City, although I never spoke until I had my own show. My father ran an upholstery shop. He stripped, gutted, and repaired all manner of chairs, daybeds, and ottomans. He wanted me to carry on the business. As a youth, I did for a while. I was formed from a thousand late nights at the cinema. Lugosi, Lon Chaney, Barrymore. Like Karloff, I was cobbled together bit by bit from the terrors beyond the shadows. I learned to make grown men weep, strong women faint, and children hide in the dusty crawl space under their beds. Krask is my burden to bear. As Leonard is mine. But there's still one dream we both share. Indeed. It's called... Hollywood! The CBS Radio Theater. MGM. Paramount. Today's seamstress is tomorrow's starlet. It takes guts, gumption, talent, and a whole lot of luck. But when you hit it, you hit big. It's the bullseye of America. The cream of the country's crop. Radio, film, and maybe television. It's all there for the plucking. And I never had a chance. Bob flew into town to pick me up after I had the fight with the After Dark crew. I couldn't finish the show. After Dark was a money pit that would never rise up again. Besides, my girlfriend Gwen was thinking about moving to a new job in Atlanta. What reason did I have to stay around? Bob and I flew first class into Los Angeles. We smoked and talked about the old days, while the stewardesses brought us whatever we wanted. Bob told me about his show. He had his own office, and a girl outside who handled his paperwork. 
There was a sore point between us, but I let it go. I was ready to leave after dark. He'd talked to people who'd heard both our shows. They were excited to hear that Dr. Damien Krask was coming to town. That Krask fellow'd have a job soon. They were sure of it. Bob was so excited he'd already signed me up for the union. My first year's dues were paid for. I was so excited. Thank you, Bob. Don't mention it. I mean it. Everybody needs a start, Len, and I want you to get yours. The cab took us from the airport to Bob's home. He'd warned me not to expect too much. It's just until the next season's approved. Then I can go to the bank and get myself a loan for a nice townhouse in the valley. Just you wait. It'll have a pool, a wet bar, polished marble, everything. You have to see these things. The realtors can't put them up fast enough. The sun shines ten times brighter in Southern California than it does back east, and the palm trees on the roadside soak it up like butter. There's Spanish architecture everywhere, old missions and haciendas. But Bob, he lived on the first floor of a beat-up little motel in North Hollywood, near the Metropolitan Airport. The sign out front said air conditioning, but the owner must have used letters from two different kits to spell it out. Bob's apartment was smaller than the one I'd left back east. One bedroom, one bathroom, and a kitchenette living room. The wallpaper was peeling, covered in a print of rose tendrils that started to climb upwards if I stared at him too long. The furniture smelled like the burnt end of a cigarette from every tenant who'd been here before us. The front window looked out over the parking lot, and the next motel over. The rooms weren't bad, but they weren't what I expected for the rising young star of a hit horror show. Bob brought my bags in. You can stay with me until you're on your feet. The couch slides out to make a bed. I swear it's clean, at least while I've been here. There's some extra sheets in the closet. That's awfully generous of you. Oh, it's not a problem. Well, it is if you have a dame somewhere. Not yet. I'm so busy. I don't know how anyone meets anyone else around here. Bob had a bright red Oldsmobile he called Betsy after his high school sweetheart. He drove me down the Hollywood freeway so I could get my first glimpse of the town. I recognized the curves of the road through the Cavenga Pass as if I'd been there all my life. You'll see a lot of Los Angeles in the movies. I was awestruck that everything around me was real, natural, and so mundane. There was air, sunshine, and bottles on the roadside like anywhere else in the USA. Bob pointed out the Hollywood Bowl when we passed it. I barely saw it over the tops of the trees. He'd never been there, but he said he'd take me if there was a good show. We drove by the studios and the eateries where the real business happened. He took me by NBC's West Coast Radio City, like bringing a Yankees fan to Wrigley Field. It was a humble operation after the places I'd worked in New York. I told Bob a couple of the jokes about NBC we used to kick around in the break room, and he really laughed. It had caught him off guard. He stopped being a tour guide and became my old friend again, like from the early days of After Dark. Bob and I parked the car and walked to Grauman's Chinese Theater. It was enormous. There was more China in that red pagoda than in any Chinatown I'd been to. The sidewalks were so crowded. I was in awe of all the handprints in the concrete. Van Heflin had set his there the previous year, one stone away from the Prince of Allen Ladd. I joked to Bob that it wouldn't be long before the whole cast of Shane was in there. He didn't laugh that time. He just shook his head. That's the way business works here, Len. Come on, it's time you got yourself some new threads. You stick out like a sore thumb. Bob knew a good tailor who had me measured for a fine gray suit right off the rack. 
we had dinner while the guy made the alterations. And after that marvelous steak, I was terrified I'd never fit in the suit again. But Bob was right, that tailor was a genius. I'd never been so handsome in all my life. I even found a hat to match. Tipped it to a pair of young ladies as they passed. Their grins were treasure beyond words. I couldn't wait to live in this town. Bob and I shared a few glasses of brandy in his living room that night. It was quiet without his air conditioner on. I'd forgotten we were in the desert, where the world turns cool after sunset. After the whirlwind tour of town and the moonlight settling on the cars outside, I realized how much work I had ahead of me. How much about the town I didn't know. I was a little fish, and Bob was all I had to protect me. Come with me to the studio tomorrow. I'll have the girl give you some names. One of them will snag you up in no time with the numbers you were pulling in. I hope so. It all doesn't seem real, Bob. I think that every morning. I don't believe this town is real to anyone. But my bank account, that's real. And yours will be real too when it happens. I hope it happens soon. I don't want to be a burden on you. I'll lay off it. You're a good man. And everyone knows Krask. Who else can be Krask? I'll take another glass full. I don't think I'll be able to sleep tonight without it. Sure. Rare is the head that sleeps easy in Hollywood. Even mine. Bob's alarm clock rattled me awake at the crack of dawn. He showered while I shaved as if we were college buddies. His coffee pot had enough joe for both of us. As always, his was black. The boss likes us in at eight so he can get his work done and catch his golf partners for lunch. The guys in New York never left the building for anything. We had a fire once and their attitude was, it's three floors over us, why should we care? Well, the West Coast likes its play as serious as its work. Got your cards? <laughs> sure do. Union and business? Of course. Hey, who's the number on the business cards? That's a screening service I use. I told them to handle your calls, too. Paper credentials, my friend. Never answer your own phone. I rode with Bob to his studio in a daze, waiting for the coffee to kick in. The guard at the front gate had a visitor's badge for me already made up. He tipped his cap to Bob and said, Morning, Mr. Stroud. Uh, that's success for you. Modern. That word's bantered around as if any street corner soda joint can put frosted glass behind the counter and call itself that. But this studio's offices had plush carpets matching the brightest tans on the walls. Every corner held ferns and tropical plants in huge snazzy pots. Every wall had a painting of... Well, I wasn't sure what each painting was. Cubism of some kind. The windows were wide enough to let in a small car. The desks each had a mechanical typewriter. The lamps had plastic globes for shades. It was the office of the future. This was modern. Bob led me to the back of the room when a girl called his name. She was young, with luscious dark hair and a knowing stare that had stripped paint off a house or a heart off a man. Mr. Stroud. Yes? Letter for you from upstairs. Marked important. Thanks, Julie. I have to check this, Len. Oh, heavens, Len. I have to run. 
Casting's having some trouble with one of the contracts, and the lawyers need someone at a meeting in 15 minutes. Can't you send one of your lackeys? It's not like that. The boss wants me to be there, that's all. What, you don't run your own show? I'm the star. But, no, look. They brought me in as a production manager. I'm working my way up. Compared to these guys, I just got here. If you say so. Good. Get yourself a good lunch. Go somewhere nice. I don't want to hear that you ate at Pink's. You don't have to give me this. There's plenty where that came from. Now, I asked Julie to type you a list of contacts. Leave your card and your resume with them. They're all local. I will. Thank you. And good luck with the negotiations. I will. Hey, Julie, type up these minutes for my 11 o'clock. You got it. Good girl. I'll check my office before then. Um, uh, excuse me, uh, Julie? Give me a minute. You're not working for just Bob, are you? I work for Mr. Jamona, Mr. Albo, Mr. Coombs, and Mr. Stroud. You don't, by any chance, have a list of contacts that Mr. Stroud asked for? I haven't had the time to do it. Wait a second. These are a few names and addresses. They're always looking for work. Who are you again? Leonard Allen. I did the radio show After Dark with Dr. Damien Krask. Oh, Dr. Krask. I love your show. I haven't had time to hear it in ages. (laughs) Well, you can listen to Bob's. Mine's over. He's doing all my material. Isn't that nice of him? I thought it sounded familiar. Now, look, I'll write you up a new list of the people you really need to see. Tell me how you make out with them. Thank you, Julie. I can't wait to tell the other girls. I wouldn't be caught dead out after dark. (laughs) I bought a map of the town from one of those street vendors, and I still lost my way. I spent Bob's money on car fare, bopping from one well-lit office to another. Hello, I'm Leonard Allen. Bob Strout said I should see you. Here's my card. Here's my resume. I'm available immediately. I tried not to say much more. They didn't say much back either, even with my fancy new suit. I did end up eating at Pink's. Their franks were pretty good. Whatever it meant to my credentials, I couldn't afford a better lunch. After that, I walked, to learn as much about the town as I could. I swear I saw Ava Gardner come out of a jewelry shop and step into a cab. She had sunglasses, but her hair was lush and her lips striking. I knew she'd married Frank Sinatra, so I kept my distance. I didn't see him in the cab. Don't know what I would have done if I had. I was beat. I'd only made it to a third of the addresses on Julie's list, and my feet were crying out, No more! I rode the trolley to North Hollywood and found my way home. Bob had given me a spare key which I'm sure was against motel policy. Bob dragged himself in around eight. I'd never seen him so drained before. He staggered in and held the doorknob as if he'd fall over. Bob, are you all right? I need a night's sleep, that's all. How's the hustle? I'm spreading myself to the four winds. Are you sure you don't need a hand? I picked a bad week to bring you here. Nothing's gone right. How'd your casting meeting turn out? Awful. Fine at first. I stuck to my guns. Then the casting agency threatened to pull some of their talent if we didn't sign this one girl. I have to deal with this tomorrow. That and all the other crises. One of the sound men is double booked, and I can't figure out if we should get another or reschedule the next session. It's not always this bad. I hope not. You're getting wrinkles. Let me in the bathroom. 
I have some cream in here. Oh, yes. You can't look old in Hollywood. Astringent costs more than vodka. That Julie is quite a gal. Isn't she? Tough as nails, that one. Done a couple of B-rolls in her time. Always on the ball. She'll have a long career if she doesn't snap first. And how about you? I have this job. I don't need to hustle. The boss says the big guys like me. And the show's been doing well. Very well in all the markets, even yours. Len, I should have come sooner. I'm sorry I put you off the air. It's all right. I needed a change anyway. No, it's not all right. Every week I'm reading over these lines and I hear you and Matt and Isabel and the rest of them reading along. But it's strangers saying them now. These pompous actors, smug like the whole world owes them, thanking their stars because they have steady work. The only time their class is when the mic's on. They all listen to direction, but good luck getting them to take it. Thank God I'm not the director. Hardly any of them will give me the time of day. Bob. No, no. This is about me. I have to keep going. They came to me. They offered me the deal, and the deal's still on. They've no problems with me. They told me so. And now you're here. I can't tell you what it means to my bones that you're here. Have a drink, Bob. I will. I hate these shoes. You're doing okay. Thanks. Just help me get a job. I will. Promise. Tell me about your day. We talked into the evening about all the agencies and companies I'd been to. Bob was a fountain of dirt. You wouldn't believe the stories he had for each one. He'd have made a tabloid editor blush. I didn't mention where I'd eaten lunch, and he didn't ask. That was the routine for a while. Bob brought me to work and ran off after some new crisis. One of those was his rehearsal. Can you imagine? The star of his own show forgot his own read-through. Julie kept giving me names. I kept ringing bells, smiling, and pinning visitor badges to my suit, which desperately needed a trip to the cleaners. Sometimes I had an agency call me back, and they'd ask the big question, what else have you done besides horror and suspense? I had done a lot of different shows from my days in New York, but nothing as big as After Dark. They never called me a second time. Sometimes, on my way out, I'd bump into the next guy coming in. We'd size each other up. Same fine suit. Briefcase full of promise. Fire in the eyes. Slowly darkening. It's like staring into the abyss seeing someone as talented as you, so hideously mortal. You wish a truck would hit him as he leaves his interview, and he thinks the same for you. In the evenings, I met up with Bob at his apartment, and we drank, smoked, read, and heard the competition on the radio. Often, neither of us said a word. I couldn't imagine how Bob had survived as long as he had, alone in his apartment without pal or dame. Some nights he looked so old, I didn't believe it was him until he spoke. Evening, Len. Who are you writing to? Gwen. I'm telling her I'm going to fly out and see her in a week. That's great news. Someone offer you a job? No, not yet. I need a break. Somewhere to recharge. That sounds like just the thing for you. I'll tell you, though, I'm going to miss you out here. You'll be fine. Besides, it's just another year to your promotion, right? Right. 
how long are you going to be out there with her? Eh, I figure I'll play it by ear. I might take the bus to New York and see if I can squeeze some of my contacts out there. Aw, you wouldn't do that to me. I don't know if Hollywood's my town. Besides, you never go anywhere. We've never been to the bowl or any of the premieres. All right, you made your point. I thought for certain you'd have been picked up by now. I don't understand it. I know how hostile this town can be. You deserve better. Thanks. I'm sorry I couldn't make it happen. I'll lay off it. Go pour yourself some dinner. Sure. You want any? Make mine a double. A double it is. The next evening, Bob had quite a surprise for me. Len, I got you a job. You did? I sure did. It's going to book you for the next seven weeks, though. You may have to call Gwen and cancel that trip. She's not going to like that. She is when she hears you on the radio. You're taking over as the host on my show. That's generous. How would that work? I'll take you to the studio tomorrow, and you can go over the contract. People are going to hear about you. No, I mean, what about you? I have plenty else to do. The top guys asked for you when you said you'd be leaving. They want to try you out, see if you have what it takes. Uh, I'll be glad to show them. See what I mean? You're on your way to your first big break. It'll be strange working with you as my boss. You worry too much. Grab your coat. I know a good bar nearby. We're going to celebrate. It was incestuous, but I was relieved that I could finally taste what this town had to offer. I wasn't sure what to make of it, though. Bob's offer had come all of a sudden. The next morning, Bob brought me to his manager, and we hashed out a deal. What killed me, though, was the size of my fee. I hadn't seen anything with so many zeros before with my name under them. I could live for a year back east off the seven shows they wanted me to do. For all intents and purposes, it was after dark again. Back in business on the Big Boys channels. Bob introduced me to the cast. The male and female leads did a killer impression of Matt and Isabel. The rehearsal room was more cramped than I expected for such a high-profile show. The script was one of the later After Dark stories, one I hadn't done yet. We had a good read-through. I rarely saw Bob, though. He was still chasing crises, and often I went home by myself. I didn't think much of it until the night of our performance. Bob drove me to the studio and disappeared. He left me by the rehearsal room, which turned out to be where we were going to broadcast the show. Okay, chop chop, people. We're live in a few. Uh, excuse me. Yes, Mr. Allen. Where'd Bob run off to? I don't know. Does he need to be here? Well, it's his show, isn't it? I know he doesn't have any lines. So why would he need to be here? Well, I don't know. Relax, he'll be back. I suppose. Can I ask a favor? Oh, name it. Play the After Dark introduction for me, just in my headphones. I need it to get into character. Sure thing. Mr. Stroud mentioned you'd need that. Did he? Of course. We already have it queued up. We'll end the show like After Dark for you, too. Keep you in the spirit. Yes. Are you ready? I'm five figures worth of ready. Onwards and upwards. We're almost live, people. Five, four, three...
consider running. Running for home. But it's too late. Too late to run for home now because you've been caught out. After dark. <coughs> Winsley Wheat presents After Dark. Tales of mystery and fright. Winsley Wheat, what a treat. Get your boy or girl upbeat. Good evening, dear friends. It is an odd turn of events that brings me, Dr. Damien Krask, in place of your illustrious Mr. Stroud. You could say he's been called home for a few days. I can tell you he packed light. It's awfully warm where he was going. But before we delve into the dark, let's have a few words from our good friends at the Wheat Factory. Evening, Barbara. How's it going with you? Oh, Phyllis, I'm just watching the county road down our hill. Trucks and cars are tearing it up like it's downtown in a big city. Kids and workmen are taking the speed limit as a suggestion. How did our world get so fast? Whatever happened to old-fashioned decency and patience? Oh, I knew you had that look on your face. I feel the same myself sometimes. And when I do, do you know what I do? What? I go straight to my kitchen and toast myself a slice of bread made with Winsley wheat. Every bite unlocks that fresh-from-the-farmland flavor, where the wheat grows slow and rich. And Winsley wheat undergoes Winsley's patented process to lock in that old-time goodness. It makes a loaf of bread as fine as if we've harvested that grain yesterday. And I can enjoy it year-round. You're right, Phyllis. I'm going to go toast myself a slice. That bread will be the cure for what ails me. Not just any bread, only the kind made with... Winsley Wheat, what a treat. Get your boy or girl a beat. That was just great, wasn't it? Now, I have come instead to bring you a spine-curdling tale of a Mr. George Winthrop. A man who delved too deep into an investigation of the supernatural. I call it his mother's voice. They say a boy's best friend is his mother, and I can attest to that. Keep a clever mind, she'd say. Never let a scamp or a scallywag get the best of you. She took me to see the stars at night and helped me build my prized baking soda volcano for school. When I was called off for the army, she wrote me every month. She sent me a little money while I was trying to find my feet after the war. And so it shocked me when I received that letter informing me of her passing. A stroke. Nothing anyone could have done. She'd named me her executor, so I moved back into her house to put her affairs in order. I was surrounded by her favorite paintings and knickknacks. All pleasant things. The day of her funeral, I gave the eulogy and brought her photographs to remind everyone of how she'd looked in her early years. Afterward, I walked home from the graveyard. That was when I passed Madame Sephiroth's Parlor of Fortune Telling. There was a sign decorated in purple paint pointing to an apartment on the second floor of the building. I had a morbid curiosity, fueled by my interest in the scientific method. If one could contact the dead... Wouldn't the most logical time be immediately following their interment? Who is calling? May I help you? 
Uh, madam, I'm inquiring about your services? Your spiritual expertise? There are many things in this world I know. Y you must get this a lot, but can you contact the recently deceased? That is difficult, but it can be done. These are my rates. <sighs> Honey, you ain't cheap. I am the best. A half-hour seance, then? Sure. We can do that. Thank you. You shall be very surprised. Let me take your coat. The madam sat me in a hallway while she hung up my coat and prepared the parlor. I didn't see her doing much. Lighting a few candles, spraying a little perfume, and setting down a large crystal ball on a bed of velvet in the center of her table. Are you ready? I am? Sit here, please. Take my hands and close your eyes. Oh! Spirits from beyond the realm of humans who walk among the ether, we call to you. We call for one who is newly joined to you. Say her name. Uh, Agatha Winthrop. Agatha Winthrop. We call to thee. Send her hence now. Then I saw it in the middle of her crystal ball. A pinprick of light, then suddenly spread out, filling the whole globe. Two bony hands caressed the inside of the glass and beyond them. No, it couldn't have been. It was fogged and distorted, but it was the face of my mother. like that. Mr. Winthrop, I gotta tell you the truth. I I'm just a girl from Hoboken. I, I made all this mumbo tarot stuff up. I've been doing this since I could sneak into Coney, but I gotta tell you, I never seen nothing as crazy as this before. Dear boy, why have you called? Say something. I, I came to see you, Ma. I wanted to see if the seance business was horse foolery. On the day of my funeral? Uh, yeah, I... I thought it'd be the best time. Madam, where are you going? I'm getting me a vodka tonic. Except I think I'm going to need it before I uh, got time to put in the tonic. Don't go. You may be a scam artist, but you got her here somehow. If this is really her. Fine. Just talk to her. Well, what would you ask of me, my son? Can you see me, Ma? You're so far away. I can barely hear you. I need to know it's you, Ma. What's the street you lived on? Lived? When I smelled air? And my feet touched the earth. The pebbles. In small rooms. The street sign, Ma. By the neighbors. What did it say on it? Oh, it is fading. Faces are fading. All things are fading. What's seven times seven? Who? They're numbers, Ma. You taught me my tables when I was a boy. Seven times seven. Seven times seven. All good children go to heaven. Ma, listen. <clears throat> I'm poor little buttercup. 
poor little buttercup. I'm poor little buttercup. No, I could never tell why. Yes. Ma, you remembered. Boy, you are sad. Of course I'm sad, Ma. I'm hearing you. I see your hands pressed against the glass. My soul is at peace, but yours is not. Have you checked the secret place? The secret place? Our secret place. No. It couldn't be. I can't believe I never checked it. Of course. The sliding drawer in your roll-up. The one I used to hide my toys inside. Yes. I have left behind gifts for you. You will find them of great value. That's swell, Ma. I'll go right home and check it. I'm fading, boy. Ma! Ma, will I see you again? I need rest. 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 Want me to get you a drink, too? No, that... Uh, that wouldn't be right. You know, I've been in the service and I've seen a lot of crazy things. But nothing like that. Can we try again in a little while? Honey, you trying to kill me? But yeah, yeah. We can give it another go some other time. Look, here is my card. Come back and we'll ring up your mom again. But, uh, call me first, okay? Yeah. Uh, that sounds good. Thanks, madam. I'm really grateful for what you've done. Sure, honey. Bye-bye now. I ran home, quick as I could. Ma had an old roll-top desk with one drawer for hiding personal items. I unlocked it, emptied the papers out, and slid the false bottom until it revealed a bound stack of letters. I untied the ribbon and read the first page. They were love letters between my mother and father. I read how she'd set a place for him at the table when he was off traveling for his sales company. And he'd eat at diners and set a napkin across the table for her, too. They were so loving, so intimate. She would have died if she caught me reading them. After a night's sleep, I thought about death. My reptilian brain said there had to be something fishy about that crystal ball. My rational brain had all this evidence that she'd been right. I saw Madame Sephiroth for every week after that. I took a list of questions to see which my mother got right. Agatha Windrop, we call you. Ah, uh, I'm tired. I slumber. Ma, it's me again. Who? Me. Your boy, little Georgie. My beautiful boy. Jewel of my heart. So far from me. Remember when you took me to the Empire State Building? I took you to the Empire State Building? No, Ma. You never did. You're right. I was asking is all. You make sport of me. Your own mother. I'm sorry. Really, I am. I went to your favorite diner the other day. Let me tell you about it. I went on like that for a while. Only a few questions, a seance. I never pushed. I asked her for advice. I'd been going steady with a fun girl I'd met at the Green Door downtown. My ma was still ma, though. Mm, she will break your heart. 
take care around her. <laughs> Ma was always right. Money was tight for me, too. I had to go without cigarettes to keep seeing Madame Sephiroth. I still lived in my mother's house, with all her things. But I was empty without the sound of her voice. Then one day, her lawyer came over to discuss some things. She made me an interesting offer. Those Dutch figurines on your mother's nightstand. What about them? My husband's been looking for a collection like them. Something that comes from his old homeland. He's willing to pay a few thousand for a complete set like you have here. He tells me they're quite rare nowadays. Well, those figurines were my mother's favorite. She kept them through good times and bad. They were a gift from my dad, and they meant the world to her. Well, think it over. I need to know if you'll sell them by tomorrow. He knows about another set that will go to auction if he doesn't buy them soon. Your set is in better condition, and he's got it in his full head to buy a set now. It'd be a shame to let this deal pass you, George. It's up to you. I had to act fast. I couldn't sell these without asking my mother first. I ran over to Madame Sephiroth as fast as my legs could take me. I pounded on her door. Madame Sephiroth! Madame! Open up, you hear me? Hon, um, uh, do you mind? I got a paying customer in there, and I got rent due tomorrow. I'll pay you double. I kick her out now, I don't see her again. And she's been coming here for five years. I need to speak with my mother now. Hon, she's dead. She can wait until tomorrow. I must see her today. Hon, you looked in the mirror. <laughs> you ain't ready to see nobody. I have to see her today. There's something I have to ask her, and I have to ask it fast. It ain't happening. I'm booked solid. And day tip. I'm not leaving. What does it matter to you, anyhow? You admitted to me that you're a fake, a fraud, a charlatan! Hun, you turn around and hoist your patootie down my steps. I don't want to see you again or I am calling the cops. I ain't seeing you no more. You ain't coming here no more. You can't do that. You're the only one who can talk to her. If I wanted someone telling me what to do, I'd be back waitressing at Hoagie's. But I don't, and you ain't coming in. Go home or get lost. I don't care what you do. I went home. That woman had no right to keep my mother from me. What's stronger than a mother's love for her son? And the same returned. That horrid fake of a woman. I wouldn't stand for it. She wouldn't keep me from what I deserved. I went back the next morning, bright and early. I see your ears ain't working too good. Want me to have the cops explain it to you? I'm here to see my mother. Your mom's gone, hon. You want to see her, you dig her up. You ain't coming here no more. You let me in there. I don't think so. My landlord don't get through this door. What makes you think you're gonna? I got money and I don't hear anyone else in there. Give me a chair. Here's three times what you charge. Let me speak with her. Oh, you are in trouble, Mr. Wintrop. I got a couple of clients on the force coming here every Wednesday. They'll be glad to hear I got a body for them to mess up. I'm the only real thing you have going for you, madam. Are you afraid of that? Are you afraid of what I bring to this crystal ball? Put that down! Do you fear what rises within it? I've seen your eyes. You never look at it when my mother's in there. You put that down! It's an heirloom, and you'll, you'll take out the floor if you drop it. You don't deserve it! Then I hope your gut's tough enough to take one of my bricklayer jersey jabs, hon. I only save them for special folks, 
And you're making yourself real special now. No! I threw the ball out of self-preservation. Instinct. It hit her solid and she fell. Blood dripped over the crystal. I panicked. I shut her front door. I checked her pulse. Nothing. She was dead. Eyes wide open. So help me, I seized my chance. I put the dripping ball on its pedestal and sat in her chair. I cried out. We call to Agatha Winthrop. Agatha Winthrop. The ritual was more complicated. I didn't understand all the elements that needed to be in play, like a chemist. I couldn't even ask Madame Sephiroth anymore. And then, in the center of the blood-stained ball, a pinprick of light, followed by her hands, and her blurred face. Her sweet, blurred face. What is it, my child? I've done something terrible, Ma. But but I need your help right now. I got a chance, and I don't want to lose it. What have you done? Those figurines on your nightstand. May I sell them? You may. What have you done? Oh. I'll tell you later, Ma. I need to get out of here. I miss you. I'll always love you. Thank you for everything. I love you, my boy. Worry not. I left her there, fading in red, as I hurried out the door. No one had seen me enter and no one saw me leave. I was in the clear. I ran home and called my lawyer. The deal was on. Then I heard the knock on the door. It was a young man with blue eyes I barely recognized. He seemed calm, but there was something strange about him. Uh, Mr. Winthrop? Hey, you got anything going on right now? Uh, you mind if I, uh, talk to you a second? I got a minute or so if you've got something that's worth my time. I'm expecting another visitor, so be fast. Sure, I hear you. You're a busy man. You gotta go sell your mother's figurines. How did you know about them? Did my lawyer send you? No, I'm here about something else. You know, you have a real nice house here. I bet these are all your mother's things inside. Yeah, her lamps, her furniture. What's it to you? I got a story for you. Stop me if you heard this one. Long time ago, far, far away, there's this powerful king, absolutely loaded. Dames pouring out of every door. You know, one of them harems, huh? Oh, they are stacked, all of them. But now, see, there's this one dame who we ain't got. She's the wife of one of his generals. Man, he wants a taste of that forbidden fruit, you know what I mean. So he's the king, huh? He can do whatever he wants. He calls the wife in, they have some fun, nobody knows. But then things happen. She starts showing. So he sends her husband off to a war he knows he's getting killed in. And the wife's all, oh, my husband's gone, you know. You're the only one who understands. Boo-hoo-hoo. You know how dames are. They get all lovey-dovey when they're like that. But he keeps it all quiet-like. Is there a point to all this? Who was that man? Why, it's you! What do you mean, me? It's you, bub. You're the man. You, who live in your fancy mother's house, with all your fancy mother's things. 
Those are her dolls on the mantle, aren't they? Those are her pictures on the wall. Those are her chairs and those are her tables, right? You got anything of your own in here? And yet, for everything you got, you get all crazy about getting the only piece of her that you don't have. Her voice. And to get it, you become the devil himself. I don't know what you mean. You killed my cousin, you son of a snake. You killed Madame Sephiroth. Die! I don't know any Madame Sephiroth. What are you trying to pull? You're as good as told me yourself. No, I've never seen you before. What do you know? Because I'm the voice of your mother. That's right. I live downstairs from my cousin. I went through your coat pockets for the picture of your mother and your eulogy at a funeral. I ran the projector under the crystal ball, put your mother's picture through there, made it look all spooky. And you know what? I'm placing you under citizen's arrest for murder. The murder of Madame Sephiroth. No! <sighs> all right. I suppose you got me. I'm sorry for what I've done. Your cousin was a good woman. She didn't deserve what happened to her. I didn't mean to do it. I'll go with you. But I'm not doing this for you or your cousin. I'm doing it for my mother. She'd want me to do the right thing. Even though I am, as you say, a fiend and a liar. I am still my mother's son. And so I shall ever be. So it ends, my friends, and the world grows a little darker. Was Madame Sephiroth's parlor wholly a scam? Or in some small way, was Agatha Winthrop somehow working through the people her son met to see justice done to George? But even she couldn't prevent a murder. I don't know about you, but after tonight's tale, I wouldn't be caught dead out after dark. After Dark, brought to you each week on this station by the makers of Winsley Wheat, features the incredibly talented, prolific, prestigious, and all-around amazing Leonard Allen. Our special guests this week were me, Arnold Huxley, Dick Hamlin, Avery Devane Morgan, and Zoe Avante Lachat as the fortune teller. After Dark is produced and directed by Leonard Allen. Tune in next week for another tale of mystery and fright, right here on After Dark. Perfect, people. Great show. We're going to sell a million crystal balls with that one. Everyone, good job. We can all go out and do whatever it is we do when we're done with the show. Like a pilgrimage to the Brown Derby or a late-night lunch somewhere. Great job, buddy. You sounded just like a friend of mine. You weren't so bad yourself. No Stroud, but... Well, speak of the devil. Fantastic performance, Len. It was like the old show. You and I have to go out and see some guys about a horse. Nurse a family of sick friends. I like that. Especially the out part. Where were you? The boys had some things for me to do. Like what? Budget for the next show. You know, I have listened to your show before. I didn't want to throw a monkey wrench into this job, but... I know you've got regulars, and I didn't see any of them in my cast. My whole crew is taking a break. Nothing wrong with that, is there? 
And your checks cash just as well. well. I know that, but... Wait, hey, hey, uh, out in the hall, isn't that Miss Bloom, the one who does all Isabel's parts on your show? Yes, of course. She works here. But she wasn't performing in this show. Neither was I, and I'm here. Don't do this to me, Bob. Do what? You know what? Lie to me. I'm going home. Don't be so paranoid. Tell me this. If I call Gwen right now and ask who she heard on the radio, who's she going to say? And if she gives you an answer you don't like, are you still going to do the show next week? Are you going to break your contract? I don't know. I need to hear her say it. You're going to make me do this, aren't you? Do what? You're thinking about giving up the show. What show? This is the reanimated corpse of After Dark. I won't get any calls from it. I like the money, but this won't get me anywhere. Nobody wants a new horror host. I have to do something new, Bob. Len. And all you want me to do is more After Darks. Then what? Len. Len. I have a copy of your check here. Look at it. Right at it? Yes. Read that amount. They all heard you over the radio. Even Gwen. She did? Uh-huh. I guess she did. It was a good show. It was. And next week's will be even better. I hope it will. You'll see. You did a great job. The men upstairs all thought so. They want you to finish the After Dark shows. Think you can do that? All six episodes left? For us? For you. For me. Of course. For you. Given everything I have for this job, now I've even given you. Don't be sad, Bob. I'll try. Come with me. I'll drive you home. I'll tuck you into bed. You'd like that, wouldn't you? I would. And to drink with you. You can drink with me. But not too much. Anymore. You know he's lying to you. Yes, I know. But I want to believe him. I want this to go on. I'm not going anywhere. It's me they want, not you. I'm on the radio. I'm in Hollywood. I'm on the radio. You're the one in Hollywood. I can hear it in his voice. When the last episode of this show is over, you'll be dead. Absolutely. We'll be dead. And Stroud will be a lonely little man again. What a happy ending. An after-dark ending. Yes. But I don't like that ending. What do you say? You and me try to do something about it. Century calling Mr. Allen. Hello? Seriously, you're in your PJs. I don't want to be here either. 
Hello. Yeah, be careful. Huh? Don't roll over the cats. They're snuggled up to you. Oh, sorry, Orson, Mr. Obler. <coughs> Move it. Shoo, shoo. What time is it? It's a little past when you asked me to be here to clean your gutters. Oh, right. It's supposed to rain later. I want to get a head start. So what do you need me for? I need the key to the storage shed. It's in my dungarees. Here. Thanks. And I got this for you. What? What is that? I borrowed it off my dad. Slip it behind your ear. Like this. And magically, we can talk to each other from great distances. It's a headset. Flesh colored, too. Invisible. Really popular with power brokers. Huh. What do you know? Oh, have you had a chance to leave the island yet? Yeah. I went to this little sewing shop for some costuming supplies. You'll like this. I forgot to tell Mr. Lewis and almost drove into the speed bump. <gasps> it didn't attack you, did it? No, I called Mr. Lewis and it settled down. It's okay. Anyway, I really have to get working. Ciao! Don't fall! I won't. My balance is pretty good. Aren't you supposed to get ready for those contractors? Oh, darn it. I'll talk to you again when I'm out of the shower. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Scotty, do you remember the lighthouse keeper before me? Mr. Uh, Henderson. Tell me about him. He was here when he was here. And he was a jerk. What do you want me to say? Miss McAllister said something about clearing him out before I got here. Wait. What? Wait. I know what she's talking about. No. Nobody did anything to anybody. Like you're thinking. He was about to kick the bucket anyway. So what did she mean? I'm not supposed to say. Scotty. I have to ask Mr. Lewis. All right. Besides, Mr. Henderson never did anything here. He always had the TV on when I came by. Well, where is the television? I bet Ms. McAllister put it somewhere. The antenna's up here on the roof. Mr. Henderson welded it to the chimney. A practical man. Hey, heads up. Your company just pulled up. Darn it. Ask them how much they'll charge to unclog these trains. How many visitors? Ms. McAllister, two guys, and a woman in overalls. I'll keep them out of your hair. And as you can see, we re-varnished and plastered back in 98, but it's still the same basic construction. Have you worked on any historical sites with this kind of smack and dab? They all have their quirks. We'll do fine. I hope so. Welcome, friends, to Sea Robin Lighthouse, and I am its star attraction. Just a moment. What do you think you're doing? A prisoner's prerogative. No one's come up for a tour before. Are you going to be like this all day? Perhaps. This is Leonard Allen. If he gives you any trouble, you can shoot him. How do you do? Oh, oops, I'm sorry. I'll get the broom. Don't even think about it. Dick? I'm on it. Len, uh, this is Dorothy. 
and she's in charge. How do you do, sir? And these are her crew, uh, Hicks and Richard. Dick's fine. How about it? That's us. Hicks, Dick, Dot. Hickory Dickory Dot contractors. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Allen. This will be their first job with us. They've done some good work for the state before. Ms. McAllister has told us all about you. Nothing good, I hope. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> They're just surveying the grounds today. You want to ride into town? We can work around him. I'll be fine. I'm in the mood for a walk later. It's going to rain. Miss McAllister. Yes? You weren't kidding. These walls are leaking heat like an open door. It's all right. I've handled worse. I'll have some options for you tomorrow. You have my number if you need anything. We do. Thank you, ma'am. And don't mind the girl on the roof. I already told them to watch out for Scotty. We're staying indoors today. She won't be a problem. Then I'll leave you to it. Pay no attention to his wisecracks. She loves me. I can hear. Well then, we'll get started. Mr. Allen, do you mind if I use the kitchen table? Go right ahead. Thanks. Uh, these are the blueprints to the house. Yep. Hmm. Looking for something? Oh, no. I'll be in the radio room if you need me. Would you mind if we inspect that room first? So we won't interrupt you later. Oh, it's all yours. <laughs> Mr. Allen? Yes? Do you know where these cables go? The ones for the record player and the microphone here. I wouldn't know. David Lewis set those up. He didn't tell you where they come out? No. Hmm. So, you're the only one here. That's right. Must get lonely this far out of town. Well, I wouldn't say that. Well, I'm asleep most of the time. Hmm. Fellows, are you done in there? Yes. The room's all yours, Mr. Allen. I appreciate it. Oh, and tell me if you find a television anywhere. The last tenant had one. Will do. I'm checking the sides. Don't be long. Let me know if they find out how to get in the basement. That'd be really cool. I had a peek at their blueprints. I didn't see anything, just the oil room. Curious, if you ask me. Can you ask them for a copy? Maybe I can find something. Maybe later. Uh... Oh! What's the matter? Sorry, I almost slipped there. Oh, Scotty, get down from there. I'll get the professionals to finish the gutters. Come on. I mean it. Just another minute. The rain clouds are coming in anyway. One minute. I'm counting. I'll get those blueprints for you. How's that? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, Dot. Do you have a copy of those blueprints I could borrow? I don't think we have an extra. There's more at the shop. We could bring some tomorrow. Tomorrow, then. I'd be grateful. Looking for something in particular? The cellar. What do you know about the cellar? I assume there is one. See, the oil room only takes up a third of the basement level. Did you ask your employers for the plans? Not yet. Actually, it's the girl on the roof who wants them. What does she know? No more than I do. But she's a smart one. She won't find the entrance on these blueprints. So there is a cellar. Yeah, but I found a quirk in the kitchen layout just now. Look at the prints. This is the first floor, where we are. This is the kitchen, and we've marked up the back wall here. The one that has the pantry and the door to the shed, right? You saw Hickory measuring it. Take this end of the tape measure. Okay. Pull it across the room to the kitchen door. What does it say? Let's see. 32 feet, 9 inches. Come with me. Where are we going? Out of the kitchen. 
And now we come back in. Measure the distance again. I'll hold the end for you. Uh, okay. Thirty-three feet five inches? That can't be right. Wait, what? It'll change every time you measure it. That's what I found. For lack of a better word, that wall's uncertain. Uncertain? Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. In my kitchen? We were hoping you could explain this. Uh, I can't. You'd have to ask David. Did I miss something? We told Mr. Allen about the back wall. The outside dimensions match the blueprints. No variation? None. Mr. Allen, I'd like your permission to crack this wall open. You'd have to ask Jesse. We'll have to take the wall down to replace the insulation anyhow. Tell you what, we'll drill in the pantry. You won't notice a thing. We can patch it up, but we need to see in there. Go ahead. Tell me what you find. Dick, go to it. Plug this in for me. Uh, uh, here's an outlet under the table. Perfect. Stand back, people. You should be able to see through. And... Feathers. I swear, they came out of nowhere. What is it? What's that? How are they gone? You saw that, right? A whole wall of feathers out of nothing, and now they're gone. They flattened my droopet. Look at the end. We have to get out of here. What was that? Drop everything. Go, go, get out. All of you, now. You too, Alan. What's happening? It's starting to rain. What did you do to my house? Wait, the door's stuck. The knob won't turn. It's guarding the door. Get to the windows. Sorry, Mr. Allen, I have to break these. Do it. We're sealed in. They're not attacking. Give them time. I have a problem. The ladder's gone. The one I used to climb up here. I can't see it on the ground. I think I'm stuck up here. I'm phoning David. Come on. Piece of junk. It's not working. No dial tone. It must be cut. I'm getting soaked up here. Be careful, okay? Does your friend on the roof have a phone? I don't think so. I'll ask her. The light looks down over the roof. I can ask her, too. Hi, Scotty, is it? Yes! Can you get me off here? I can't reach you. Listen, do you have a phone? I left it with my other stuff. I didn't bring it up here. Stay there. Don't fall. We're going to get help. You went up to the light? The ground's too far down from the balcony. We need another way out. Well, those wings can't keep us in here forever. Long enough. For what? Hickory, strip some wire. Ungrounded. Yes, am Dickory, get ready to burn another bit. Roger. We're going to shock it when it shows up again. Another second. Rubber gloves. Ready. Go. Shock it! Ah! Ah! Ow! It cut me! It slashed me all the way down to my chest. Alan, get towels. Put pressure on his wounds. How bad are you, Hickory? My hand's cut. I'll be fine. Come here. Sit down. Press these against you. How bad do I look? Oh, your cheek's torn up. I don't think it went below the skin in your neck. It cut through your overalls. 
like knives. Uh, I'll stop the flow. Breathe easy. You first. Three, four, five straight cuts. Like a hand. I have a first aid kit in my bag. Tell me coming up here. Whatever it is. It's all ratchet heads. Here we are. Get Dickory's shirt off. Gauze, wrap. Settle down. We'll be out of here soon. You have a cell phone in there, too. Don't touch that. Well, I have to call David. No, you're not. You were so anxious to know if Scotty had a phone. And yours seems to work fine. Give me that. Why can't I call out? I don't have time for this. For what? Hickory, get Alan on that chair. Right. Easy now. Hey, let me go. I've got the rope. In the chair, Alan. I don't want to hurt you. Stop it. Stop it! Oh. I have his hands. Hey, what do you want? What? Mr. Allen, this is for your own good and to get you out of here. Don't make me gag you. I have to help Dickory. They're tying you up? Oh, my God. Wait. Don't struggle. I'm trying to think of something. Why do you want me? Who are you? I'm going to check in. Where am I going? Alan, shut up. Make more noise than I do. Yes, clock tower. Code one. Repeat, code one. We need extraction now. Repeat, now. We have infestation. Spirit type four or higher. One or possibly more. Physical manifestation. Major physical trauma to Dickory, and he needs emergency treatment ASAP. Spirits have the house secured. We cannot leave by door or window. Cover's blown. Allen's secured. Landline's down. There's a girl on the roof. Negligible. Dickory secured her there. You took her ladder? Oh, you cut the phone, too. What? Understood. We have access to the lighthouse walkway, but that may change. We're waiting. Over. Understood. They're sending a helicopter. ETA 15 minutes. I don't know what I can do. Uh, I can't jump. The ground's so far down. Don't let them know you can hear me. Okay. Tell me what's in the basement. None of your business. It's my basement. I live here. Is it that wing thing? Possibly. How are you making out, Dickory? Better. The perks are kicking in. Good. I need Hickory. Help me? Yes, ma'am. Alan, I think you know how to get into the basement. I don't know. Not consciously. Put him under. Len. Len, look at me. Len. What are you doing? Look at my hand. Look at the lines on my hand. See how they branch out? There's so many branches, aren't there? What on God's green earth am I supposed to see? Len. Just look, Len. All right. It's missing something. What, Len? A pool. (laughs) He won't go under. Not like the boss said he used to. Things keep looking up for us. He must be out of tune. Like he was before. No, this is different. He's well protected. Did Bob send you? Are you from the Shepherd? Never blaspheme like that again. Oh, this is interesting. Slap his cheek. It barely made a mark. He never even flushed. Oh, I know what they have him on. They must be desperate. What? What do they have me on? They'll need a batch at retrieval. He can't make it across the country without another dose. That explains his sleep patterns and his dreams. And those waking dreams you've been having. The dream walking with the sloth. What do you know about the sloth? Clock tower, Alan is on cinnamon B. Repeat, he will need a dose of cinnamon B. The Wall Street drug? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yes, sir. Damn. What's the problem? The storm's getting worse. They can't fly a copter in it. We're on the first backup plan. Oh, for his sake. How do you know about the sloth? Alan, shut up. Check the fridge. Let's see. Oh, I don't think that's Alan's. It still doesn't narrow the search down. Get out your heavy artillery, men. What's in my refrigerator? One more word, Alan. What do we have? Incense caps, karma claws, dust of Sephiroth. Blessed spikes. Cursed spikes. Mjolnir shards. Sweet grass. That's for the dead. This thing isn't dead. Sorry. Downstairs. Now. Check for habitats. Scotty. They've left me alone. What's happening? I have an idea. Are you okay? I'm tied up, but I'm fine. I'm amazed that man Dickory's still walking. The guy who was hit by the flashy wing thing? It's a wall of wings. They're fast, and I can't see them well. They made claw marks with each claw two inches apart. They must be huge. It didn't attack you, though? No. Well, only when they tried to shock it. What are you up to? Trying to get inside. No, no, you have to warn Mr. Lewis. It's too far down. And there aren't any windows I can reach. I'm going up. You mean to the lighthouse balcony? Yeah. I can't reach it, but I'm working on that. Well, they'll catch you if you come in here. Well, I left my phone in the tool shed. And the shed is behind the wall that the wing thing is in. What about the radio room? What about it? You can call for help from there. The transmitter should work. The one I used for the After Dark show. That's power. Yeah, I could do that. You'd have to distract them, though. Well, they're down in the oil room. I'm not ready yet. A little longer. I broke the TV antenna off the chimney. I'm bending it so it can hook the railing. Careful. They're not meant to hold any weight to them. I know. I need a few seconds to climb up there. I'm using my jeans as a rope. What? Yeah, it's okay. I'm wearing boxers. Uh... And don't say anything about it. They don't pinch me when I work, okay? That's fine. They're coming back. Say something like whiskey tango when it's okay for me to go. Alan, we have to go soon. Hickory? I'm releasing your hands. Give me your hand, Alan. Wait, no. No, please, not my hand. What do you want me to say? I don't care what answers you give us, but we need an answer. We know you've been to the entrance of the cellar. We've been watching you. It's here and in your dream state. You mean the the places with the wind chimes? The, the extra floors? Yes. The, the lily room. Where's the lily room? I see it by, by the closet in the entryway. Here. See on the blueprints? center of the house. It's not there. How do you know? He's talking about the spiritual center of the house. It's a metaphor. That's not where the physical entrance is. And that's in the back wall. I'm sure of it. Let's toss Alan at it and find out. Wait! I've never been down to the oil room when I'm dreamwalking. When you dream, you can take the stairs down there, right? The stairs go there, but I've never followed them. Can you make me go on a dreamwalk? You're out of tune. Well, it's worth a try. Take me down there. All right. Hold on to him. Thank you. Whiskey Tango. Y- yes, thank you. I'm on it. I'm lifting the antenna on my-
was that? It's over. It's hooked. Hickory, check on the girl. Yes, ma'am. I'm holding on. I'm gonna stand on my muck bucket and jump. Pray for me. Don't rip! Don't rip! Thank God's friend seems... Help me check under the boiler. Uh, I need a light. Both of you! See anything you remember? Oh, I can't see anything through these cobwebs. Yes, Hickory? The girl's not on the roof. There's a broken antenna hooked on the railing and some shredded jeans tied to it. Do you see her? Not yet. I'm circling the balcony now. W- wait, uh, I remember! There should be a cubby for firewood in that corner. It's sealed over, but it has to be there. Check on it. Yes, ma'am. Hey, let me in. She's inside. She locked the door. I'm stuck on the balcony. I'll get her. Oh, no, you won't. Ugh. Get him off me. I've got her. Go, Scotty. I'm in. Locking the door. I'm leaving the key in so they can't pick it. Uh, I've got him. <laughs> Too late. Which room is she in? Bring Alan. I'm blocking the door. This table will have to do. Okay, switch for the radio is behind the door. The big one. Great. Now the microphone. Call everyone. Please work. Please, please, please work. Hello? Mr. Lewis? Everyone? Ah! Get away from me! Scotty? We're cutting our way in there. No! No! The wings severed the microphone cable. Please, whoever you are, I need to hold out. Alan's in trouble. There has to be a soldering iron in the table drawer. No! Who are you? No fixing things. Where are you? No calling for help. It'll be more fun this way. The Mask of Inanna, Episode 3, They Only Want Krask, was written and directed by Alicia E. Goranson for the post-Meridian radio players. The modern-day cast featured Andrew Lebrun as Leonard Allen, Nellie Farrington as Scotty Harper, and Catherine Bryant as Jesse McAllister, with Jennifer Pelland as Dot, Jason Merrill as Hickory, Santiago Rivas as Dickory, Julia Lunetta as... and Heidi Clark as the introducer. The 1950s and After Dark casts included Andrew Lebrun as Leonard Allen and Dr. Damien Krask, James Scheffler as Bob Stroud, Lisa Sturgeon as the manager, and Renee Johnson as Julie, with Mike Babish as the announcer and George, Rob Noyes as the voice and the cousin, Emma Lathan as Barbara and the lawyer, Vicki Bloom as Phyllis, and Jenny Gutbazal as Madame Sephiroth. Studio recording and post-production for The Mask of Inanna was performed by Alicia E. Goranson, with production assistance from Paul Dworkin, Emma Lathan, and Lisa Sturgeon. The script editor was Vicki Bloom. Original music was composed and rendered by Neil Marsh, and the After Dark theme was composed by Sir Arthur Sullivan. All interstitial music is available in the public domain. The producer and series developer is Alicia E. Goranson.
The creator of The Mask of Banana and executive producer for the Post Meridian Radio Players is Neil Marsh. For more information, please visit our website at themaskofanana.com. This has been a Hub of the Universe production. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D I G I T A L V A U D E V I L L E.com. Mm-hmm.